Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back. Hour number two of the program here on Friday. Later on in this hour, we will be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor-at-Large Brian Gomes. We'll talk about a number of issues with them, including this story that we talked about yesterday. And you can still read the story at WBSM.com and on the app about the New Bedford Police Union having been cautioned by the police department administration about what it puts out on its Facebook page that it needs to be careful when putting out crime information. So information about incidents that have happened. And we shared yesterday some of the examples of what had gone on that we didn't hear about from the police, that the New Bedford Police Department didn't put out any press releases on, that they didn't put anything on their own social media about, that they just take the police logs and put them onto the police department website. So you have access to the log. They do place it out there for the public, but they're not giving details on these cases. Now, Kate Robinson every day goes on to the police log and looks it up and finds the incidents that she wants more information on. Or she hears things on the scanner and reaches out for more information. But that there's, you know, in, in the minds of the police union, there's the gap of the weekends when things are going on. So you're not getting the Friday logs, the Saturday logs, or the Sunday logs until Monday morning. So you don't have access to what that information is for, you know, as much as three days. And then if there's a Monday holiday, maybe it could be even longer. So they're trying to share this information to get it out there. And as they were saying to, uh, as Lieutenant Evan Bielski, the president of the police union, was telling Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight, they're not putting anything out there that wouldn't have been on the log. They're just putting this is what happened and where it happened. And so I, I don't know exactly, you know, I listened to the interview again, and I don't know exactly what the union's position is here. They said they're, they're going to wait for the department to release the information before they post it. So does that mean that they're not just going to put the incident 
up on social media. That's the way it sounds to me. They're going to wait for if it, if it's not going to be on the log until Monday, they're not going to put anything about it till the log is posted on Monday. So that's a little bit longer that you, the citizens, have to know. And again, I don't expect the police department with all of their staffing issues to have somebody on the weekend posting all of these all of these incidents, posting all of the and, – and I don't expect them to be writing press releases for everything that happens. But if a juvenile child is shot, you would you would think that that would be something we should know about. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good morning. Oh, good morning. I just Could I change the subject for a minute? Sure. I just wanted to make a comment about this Alec Baldwin case. Doesn't it sound suspicious that it, all of a sudden it t- took a big turn for in his favor? Um, I don't know necessarily because it sounds to me like there was a lot of people that were pre-condemning him before any of the uh, the evidence was actually heard. How is isn't he the one that they that one time they took a picture of him really drunk and he was on the ground with a, a burger? That was isn't David. That, that was David Hasselhoff. Oh, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, David Hasselhoff was the one with the burger. Uh, Alec Baldwin. There was the audio of him yelling at her, do- yelling at his daughter, and calling her a disgusting little pig. But no, the cheeseburger was was uh, David Hasselhoff. Oh, um, his daughter's a, a model, right? And she's married to Justin Bieber. Uh, Alec Baldwin. I don't know. Is that his daughter? I know he has a daughter, Ireland. I don't know if Haley, if Haley's his daughter. There's one. Yeah, there's one that's. Um, she looks just like him, and she's oh, a model. I don't know. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, my my knowledge of the Baldwin family stops at uh, Alec, Billy, Stephen, and I think there might be another one that I can't remember. Oh, like all of his brothers. But the so there was there was there was definitely a uh, a desire to to kind of pre convict him in the public minds because Alec Baldwin is a very outspoken uh, leftist. He's a very outspoken liberal. And so a lot of people were looking for him just to be shut up in silence. And, you know, they were reveling in the fact that he he was involved in this. They didn't like the way that he portrayed Donald Trump on SNL. So there was a lot of people of of the conservative mindset that probably already wanted to see him convicted of this before any evidence was heard. He was a producer on the film. So, yes, ultimately it does fall on him as being somebody that should be overlooking this. But they had an armorer on the set. That um, that was just as much at fault for this. So it's it the, to me, it's just an accident, and it's just it's just a horrible accident that happened. It's why they shouldn't be utilizing these types of guns anymore. They can add in all those effects via CGI. They don't need to do it in real life. Um, and we've we've seen we've lost other people because of it. Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee, was famously killed by a, a what was supposed to be a blank on the set of the movie The Crow. Oh, all right. I just wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, that's that's just my thoughts on it. Okay, I'll be listening. Thank you. Uh, all right, thank you. Weekend. You as well. And uh, yeah, that's that's the, the the whole thing that I want to see come out of this is that can they stop just utilizing these blanks or you know whatever it was that they were using? Uh, you know, every every gun expert came out of the woodwork. About well, they were. It's not how you should be holding a gun, and then like, listen, it can all be solved by just not utilizing anything that would have the capability of firing a projectile. Just use something that doesn't do that, and you can add all that stuff in in post production. Might it cost a little bit more? 
sure. But it'll be safer. And yeah, I know 99.9% of times that they have used these weapons in movies, there's been no incident or TV shows or whatever. There's been no incident. But if you have that ability to have that protection, why not do it? And I'm sure there are some, I'm sure there are many cases where that's exactly what they're doing and you don't even realize it as you're watching it. It's, it's part of this, I guess, the, the, the quest for authenticity in these movies that they're afraid. What if you if you put a move if you put a sound effect in there and a CGI explosion from the barrel that somebody's going to point to that and be like, oh, that looks fake. Like, so what? We know it's fake anyway. We hope that when they're making the movie, somebody doesn't really shoot somebody. So I don't know why that would be such a big deal. And I don't want to see CGI everything all the time, but that's one of those instances where I think it would it would come into handy. But there's this there's, there's this quest for for how authentic and and high definition can you make things look that it actually goes beyond what is actual reality. For example, have you ever watched a movie or a TV show lately where somebody is smoking a cigarette, and when they're smoking the cigarette? You can hear the burning of the paper of the cigarette. I've lived around smokers my entire life. I never remember sitting in a room having a conversation with somebody and hearing the sound of the the cigarette burning. Maybe they're making cigarettes differently than they did when when I was a kid and, and the people in my family smoked. But I never remember it being like overwhelmingly loud. Yeah, if you had leaned in a little bit, yeah, you would have heard it. If you were the one smoking it, maybe you would have heard it. But generally sitting in a room, you didn't hear somebody's cigarette burning as they took a drag. But now it's in every scene where somebody smokes because they have the ability to add it in, so they do. Or perhaps the microphones that they're utilizing are so sensitive now that they're picking up that little minute sound, but somebody's balancing all that out. Anyway, that's just one thing that irks me. 508-996-0500. If, uh, if you want to call in and chime in, you can also send in your app chat messages uh, on the WBSM app. HT in New Bedford says that they agree. 20 and back sounds like a crock, but love hearing about the strange and esoteric. And uh, and you have a good weekend as, too, uh, as well, HT. So, yeah, the strange and the esoteric is kind of um, our bread and butter on Saturday nights on Spooky South Coast. Um, I have to check with the gang. I don't know if we'll be in tomorrow night, but one of the things that uh, we could certainly talk about is this. 46th anniversary of the Dover Demon, which you can read about on our WBSM Facebook page if you want to check it out. Um, I didn't plan on talking about it the whole first hour. I just wanted to point it out so that people could check out the story, but it's it's still a fascinating story. It's still something that people talk about to this day, and it's still something that will be, I think it's one of those great unsolved mysteries. And people don't like an unsolved mystery, but at the same time, people love an unsolved mystery. They, they don't like the fact that something goes unanswered, but they love the pursuit of trying to find that answer. And eventually everybody makes up their mind what they think, and then you can't change it once they get to that point. I've tried to be somebody that remains open-minded about a lot of the conclusions that I've made about things, but I'm sure I've been stubborn about some things as well when it comes to some of these mysteries. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. 
morning. How are you? Um, a few days ago, I think it was this week, there were a couple of bodies that were discovered, might have been down the south end. They gave one name, but they never gave the other. Did I miss something? No, I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't heard an update on that either. So we, we do have requests in for the identification of those folks. So I think they just haven't identified the other person yet, which means that they probably haven't been able to locate their next of kin. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, thank you. Okay, have a good one. You too. And uh, yeah, that's so. That what he's talking about is that there were some bodies found near Palmer Island, and and one of them they were able to name. The other one they haven't. And so what happens is, you know, if you've got people who and again, I don't know anything about these people, but you don't know what their familial connections are. You don't know if they have family in the area. You don't know if they have, um, they might not even have any family at all anyway. And so the district attorney's office and law enforcement, they, they always notify the family members before they reveal the identity. They confirm with somebody in the family to let them know so that they can tell the family, and then they will reveal that person's identity to us to then bring to you. So it's not it's not super common for it to happen where it takes this long for us to get an identification. Usually it happens within a day or two, but it's entirely possible that we just might not have heard because they haven't been able to identify the person yet or contact the family. Sometimes, too, it, it, if somebody doesn't have a digital footprint for them to track down who you are, then it takes waiting until there are missing person reports that come in. And then seeing if, hey, you know, you reported your brother or your son or your father missing, does this person match the description? And it may take a while for those reports to come in because people don't necessarily want to believe that the person is missing. They might wait. Some people wait, you know, two hours and they're trying to file a missing person's report. Like they should have been home two hours ago. They're not here. Call the police. Other people will wait weeks and say well you know he'll he'll come home eventually now he'll he'll come home there's no way he would not come home and so it's you know it could be a process it could be a process before they're able to to figure out who a person might be if they don't have things like fingerprints already on file uh if they don't have like the dental records to be able to identify them from uh and however else they may do it these days so 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. You can also send us a voicemail via the open line feature on the WBSM app. Multiple ways to be able to get in touch with us here and uh, be able to be part of the conversation. And uh, coming up in a few moments, we will be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes will talk about this police union versus the police department question and i say versus i'm I'm not trying to say that they are um embattled here against each other what i'm saying is that you know they they have different philosophies on how the information should be getting out to people and it seems like the police union is going to acquiesce to what the department is saying but is is that necessarily the right thing you know councillor gomes is somebody who wants the public to have the information he wants to be able to, to inform the public about what's going on. But he also understands the need to keep certain details under wraps as investigations are ongoing. So it'll be interesting to get his take on that. And uh, and we will get their takes on uh, their take on some other things as well. Uh, we can talk about some of the, um, the different things that are happening in the city council meetings. And, of course, 
You never know where the conversation could go. So that'll be coming up in just a few moments. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, we can get your reaction to all of it. Um, but there's there's been a number of committee meetings this week that they can touch upon, including the cannabis committee meeting. Because there are some new uh, businesses looking to come in now that Ascend has opened. There are others who are in the works and others who are looking to come into the community. So we'll talk about that as well. And, and I think we will um, we'll find out some pretty interesting information on that. Of course, yesterday being 420, uh, some of you probably celebrated that. Some of you probably partook. Uh, certainly the people who walked through my bowling game partook last night because we're, we're in, I think it was, we were in like the third game. And we're, we're just sitting around talking, you know, my team and the team that we're playing against and, you know, waiting our turn to bowl. And these two people who were not part of the league, they were just getting to an open lane that had been assigned to them. They're walking through rather than walk behind everybody on the area, the top, you know, where you're supposed to walk. They were walking through everybody's lanes and they were just stoned out of their minds. They had to have been. And they totally reeked. I got a contact eye just from them walking by me. But it doesn't take much for me. But that's how intense it was. So they definitely celebrated. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we will talk to New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes when we return in just a few moments. And welcome back into the program. It is 1030 on Friday. That means it is time to connect with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today, we have Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. Uh, good morning to both of you. How are you? Good morning. We're good. How are you today? I'm doing all right. And good morning, Brian. Good morning. In, in, good morning, Tim. Good morning. I, I don't know if you uh, if you heard any of the the program earlier or yesterday, but we were talking about this issue with the New Bedford Police Union being cautioned by the department uh, about what they're putting on their Facebook page in relation to some of these major incidents and uh, being asked to wait until the department puts information out before that they put anything on the page. And, and Councillor Gomes, as the chair of the Public Safety Committee, I definitely want to get your take on the way that the union has utilized social media to not only share some of this information, but also uh, they've used it to, to let us know about when there are staffing shortages and, and, uh, and some of the other things that they've been dealing with are you looking for a comment from me first yes please yes um i'm i'm, I'm in agreement with the union and what the union is doing i don't think they're putting out any information that is critical to investigation of um the, the matter that may be at hand um what they are doing is bringing in a public awareness to um the people of this city and uh some of the things that are happening and um there's no um, secret. Uh, they're they're short-handed, and um, um, it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, we're in a situation where, um, it, it, you know, it's often said that it's a national crisis. Well, it's a New Bedford crisis, as as far as I'm a New Bedford situation that needs to be addressed. And I don't really give a darn what's going on nationally. I know that the city of New Bedford has to be protected has to have the man and woman power out there to provide that public safety and that's what we should be addressing and this was no surprise to none of us um we 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 it, we've seen it coming we've made recommendations on a couple of things as far as uh, the police department as far as looking at the pay scale that we bring our police officers in at um uh looking at the educational bill also um 
looking at the rank, not the rank, but the ranking of how um, officers that have already served the city, how we can, um, you know, just boost their pay uh, just slightly a little so that they don't feel that they're not even with what we would be doing on the front side to recruit and keep officers here in the city in Bedford. And do you do you see any issue with them putting the information up? You know, you said you support what they're what they're putting out there, but uh, when it comes to putting up crimes, you know, they were as as they the word they used was they were cautioned about the information that they were putting out there, and they made it sound like as if the department leadership is saying, "No, we want to be the ones to put out this information. You shouldn't be putting it out." Um, th- th- that's a. Uh one that has to be balanced. I think the union um, is just doing, as I said, what they feel that the public should know and the public should know what is going on. And if the department is not getting that information out, well, maybe there should be a working relationship somewhere together on what's going on. But I see no problem with them putting that information out. And we should be getting that information out immediately to the people of this city, especially when um, you're looking either for that assistance in information that may be leading to arrest or whatever, um, we should be doing that. And it's a, and again, you know, crime is nothing a, a, a city is proud of, but again, uh, it cannot be tolerated, and we use every avenue that we can to resolve it. And, and, and Council President Morad, your thoughts on, on the situation between the union and the, and the leadership? Yeah, I, I agree they should be able to work together and resolve this. Um, it sounds to me like a couple comments were made and maybe some uh, people took offense to those comments. I, I believe they should be able to work together. And timely information is important. Um, you know, just last week, finally, I got a New Bedford alert that was actually related to some issue instead of, you know, related to COVID, uh, where the mail was sending out information every week, which was, um, you know, ridiculous using New Bedford alert for that. But we finally got some, uh, a, you know, a New Bedford alert that asked people to be on the lookout for a woman who has lost their way. And I mean, that kind of information is important. You can work together with the public um, to to resolve issues like that. And as uh, Councilor Gomes said, if, if there are issues that are of a nature that is um, a problem for public safety in general, I believe that the New Bedford Police Department should, should be working together uh, with the officers on the street and the union to be sure that everybody is sending the message out and uh, alerting the public to any issues that we may have in our city. Uh, crime is crime. You know, you, you have to deal with it. And unfortunately, we're a, a big city, and although we have crime, uh, we're lucky that we're not like some other larger metropolitan cities across the state and across our country. You know, Councillor Gomes, uh, the union president, Lieutenant Evan Bielski, told South Coast tonight that he doesn't understand why the, the department doesn't utilize social media like some other area departments utilize to help try to find suspects. So, for example, you know, Dartmouth police will put out surveillance footage of somebody who might have uh, committed a shoplifting offense. And within hours, they usually get an identification and they're able to to find that person quickly because they utilize the public as helping them do that work. And it's something that the New Bedford Police Department seems reluctant to do. Is that something that, you know, in the matter of public safety, you would like to see more of that, of, of, of letting the community know not only who to be on the lookout for, but also who it might be that the police are trying to find themselves? Yes, I, I would support that. Um, it, it, I, you know, there's limited information that the police department can put out sometime as far as investigations and what is going on. But if you're looking for a suspect, and uh, such as you said, Dartmouth will post or whatever, yes, uh, it, we should be utilizing um, um, 
social media um, to help solve crime. Um, the, the more eyes, the more ears on something um, assist the police. The police cannot do the job some all alone. They, they need the assistance of the public. I've said this for years. You are the eyes and ears of the neighborhood. You have the, the um, line that you can call to just report something without it being uh, where it comes from or whatever. We should be doing that, and there's no, no problem with putting some of this stuff on social media, especially when we have a missing person. If we have a continuing um, shoplifter, if they're looking for a bank robber that um, robbed the bank this morning uh, or whatever, uh, we should be utilizing that. Uh, the public can be very helpful in, in, in giving information that could lead to an arrest or at, le- at least lead the police in the right direction to um, make that arrest or investigate in the manner that they always do. And I support that comment to say, in addition to that, uh, from time to time, when something like that happens, by utilizing social media and putting it out immediately, uh, you could quell any any concerns that the public has uh, that there could be some kind of danger. And I know that it took when we had that incident at the Funzi in the North End. Um, you know, we were getting calls from people who were there that night, uh, and there was postings on social media regarding that. When I did reach out to the chief, he responded immediately. But it did take a little while for them to pull together the facts. So maybe it would have been good if they had just put something out immediately saying, you know, there's no danger and, you know, we'll release more information uh, within the next hour or something like that. But. Yeah, and that has been a criticism uh, of from, from some residents that have called into the station, from some of the media, that, you know, they, they don't give press conferences when something happens or put out press releases when something like this happens that they don't they don't just do something to uh, avoid what happens which is the telephone game where somebody puts something on social media and then it turns into far more than it is and the next thing you know you've got people afraid to, to walk out of their homes because the information that's been out there has all been rumor and speculation and not actual fact so that maybe by just being a little bit more open about some of these things they could make the, the people feel safer about these situations when they arise Councilor you're exactly Gomes. right you're you're exactly right Tim. um that that's how it works and 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 Again, you're you're utilizing the public, the social media, to get information out, and we should be getting that information out so that that there's not misinformation to the general public and also putting the public at ease as that um, this is no threat to the general public or, or it is a general threat to the public, and we want you to be on the lookout, and we want you to... Uh, take the precautions or, or whatever it may be, depending on what the public safety situation is that arises in the city. They, they, I see no problem with that. Yeah, and you've, you've both been on the council a long time. You've been there since the time that incidents like this would have been reported by the newspaper, by the radio station, by responsible journalists who knew how to fact check and knew how to hold back certain information and knew what it was that they could report and couldn't report. Nowadays with social media, Everybody considers themselves a reporter. Everybody wants to be the one to have the details that uh, that nobody, you know, I heard this and I heard that. And so it makes it so easy for for things to get misrepresented. And I think that actually probably does more damage to the investigation than if they just came out and told people something right from the start. That's correct. Yeah, and, yeah I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, we have that locally, as you know. You know we have uh, certain people that deem themselves to be media, but uh, they, they don't always oftentimes don't give both sides of the story or don't give factual information, and that has been a problem. Yep. So maybe there is a reason why the police department is a little resistant uh, in the last you know, couple of years to 
utilizing social media for that purpose. Yeah, and, and it's certainly something that is just the nature of, you know, the social media. And it's not a problem that is, you know, uniquely New Bedford, but it certainly is something that, you know, New Bedford is, is, is taking a different approach on than some other local departments. Uh, some of the other things that I if want... If I can just say, Tim, absolutely. if I can just say, yep. um, that, um, by putting out this information, um, the people know that they're getting accurate information from the sources of, of like, the New Bedford Police Department or the police union or um, may, may it be a city councilor or the mayor's office is putting information. They should be able to go to, uh, you know, the, the Facebook page or whatever page it is and get the accurate information without half the dealing with um, he said, she said, the rumors that are put out there, sometimes the misinformation that is out there, the people should have that opportunity to see it clearly and coming right from the department and accurate information. And again, um, the, the department is restricted to certain information that can be given out due to the fact of an investigation or, or whatever, and they don't want to, um, you know, either give too much information that would uh, give information to the suspects or, or whatever. Um, that has to be concealed. But to give the information out of the crime, when it happened, if there's any threat to the city of New Bedford, um, we, we should not even be arguing this point. This point should be, it's, it's the news and it. And if you're trying to hide what the facts are of crime that happens in the city uh, for some unknown reason, that, that shouldn't be the case in scenario. You in jeopardize the public, you in jeopardize the police department. Well, well, let me ask you this, Councillor Gomes, because you, you've been involved in, in public safety for a long time, and I know it's, it's one of your passions uh, in addition to chairing the committee, but you you are always in touch with the police department. You know about these things that are going on. You probably have information about things well before they release information to the public. Has there been times that you've had information that the public is looking to know, that you've been been wondering to yourself, why are we sitting on this? Why can't we at least give what I know out to the public? Uh, sure, sure that has happened, and we, we, we've tried to work with the department. I, um, I remember getting calls from your former news director, uh, Taylor Cormier, on trying to get information and couldn't figure out why the information wasn't given to the news media, and it was being held back. And at that time, uh, I was uh, I supported Taylor in, in getting the information to her. But again, sometimes, yes, we are privy to information, that could possibly um, um, in jeopardize an investigation or whatever, or information that we, as uh, uh, um, uh, me as chairman of public safety, have learned to know that just can't be given to the public. But you can give them the details that make them feel safe, make them know that their neighborhoods are safe. Or, as I said, if there's a situation that it isn't, then we have to tell them. And I, I mentioned this yesterday on the show, but one of the things that would drive me nuts is that you, we would get these press releases from the police department under Chief Cordero where we'd say, you know, this person has been released back out on the streets. They're a dangerous criminal, yet the judges keep releasing these dangerous criminals out, but they would never give us a booking photo. The, you know, when people will want to know, well, what does this person look like if we're supposed to be so worried about them being out on the streets? And that, then the mayor has told us that the policy is they don't want to release these booking photos because sometimes there are people who are not convicted of the crimes for which they were arrested, and therefore you're setting yourself up for a lawsuit if that's the case. And I get asked that question all the time from people. Why is it that other departments will release them but not New Bedford? And I just have to keep going back to that answer. Again, if you're looking for a suspect and you have a picture and you, you poster it, um, you, you're a suspect in, in, the, in the crime. Um, I remember when we used to have the top ten in, in the city, um, the Standard Times, I think you can remember that, when we used to run 
um, those most wanted in, in the city or, or those that had committed some crimes in the city. I have no problem with postering the 10 most wanted in the city of New Bedford. If you've been causing havoc and you've been causing crime and destruction on our city streets, dealing drugs, hurting people or whatever, I've got no problem with you. wanted to be the star doing the crime that you're doing, you can be the star in the public eye until the police department find you, lock you up, and take you off the streets and make our city safer. You know, Jim, uh, I find Chief Oliveira to be uh, pretty open, uh, pretty uh, honest in his comments. I I don't know if Council Gomez feels that as well. I did see at the bottom of uh, the article that was written regarding this issue that there had been no response back from the police department for an inquiry. Um, Maybe maybe it's appropriate if someone reaches out again, uh, maybe yourself, Tim, and uh, it could be that Chief Cadero is being told, um, I'm sorry, Chief Cadero, Chief Oliveira is being told he can't speak to you, but it might be helpful if you reach out to him again and see if he will come and talk to you and, uh, you know, give you some details about what it is they're trying to do and why they're hesitant in some situations. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I do have his cell phone, and I've been I've been always cautious to go through, you know, the, the Lieutenant Scott Corolla, but and maybe I will just have to send him a text directly. And Councilman Gomes, sorry, you were going to say? I was going to say that the chief is very accessible, and we have a very good um, relationship. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with Chief Oliver for um, the past three, four years, and and sometime, um, you know, in committee on the sideline, we've discussed a lot of issues that we were um, having three or four years ago when the COVID came along, what we thought would happen now, what is happening now, and we we recap it, and um, he's just been a a good guy to work with, and... uh, as far as this is concerned, I think this is something that just can be worked out between the department. And, again, the information has to be provided to the people of the city. We shouldn't be hiding anything unless, again, it jeopardizes an investigation. The people of the city should know what's going on. Well, uh, one, of, one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, there's there was a number of committee meetings this week. And, uh, of course, we just had yesterday 420. It's the it's the national holiday of people that, that partake in cannabis. But we are seeing more interest in, in having some cannabis retailers come into the city. Uh, Council President Moore, can you give us an update on, on, on what the cannabis committee was working on? Yep. Uh, we had a host uh, agreement in front of us. It had been in front of us before and tabled by the committee for additional information from the um, petitioner for the host agreement. And uh, they came in front of us at the Ember Gardens. They're going to be locating at Nauset, on the Nauset Street property where Executive Mitsubishi uh, used to be located. And they're going to have a retail shop there, and they're also planning on manufacturing for other cannabis shops, uh, some edibles, um, et cetera. So they came in front of us, they talked with us a little bit about what their plans are, how they're going to hire people, what their security plans are, um, you know, their investment in that property is significant. They have two other projects going on, one in the Boston area and one in the uh, on the Cape, and we uh, talked with them about that and the management team that they have overseeing uh, their construction projects. We also invited um, Commissioner Romanowitz. Chief Oliveira and um, Stephanie Sloan, the acting health director, to join us. All of them have reviewed the plans from either security, uh, public health, or zoning requirements. And the uh, committee wanted to be sure that there weren't any outstanding issues uh, before the host agreement was, in fact, approved. And we did improve it on uh, whatever night that was. There were five meetings this week. Um, And then we forwarded that to the full city council for next Thursday. 
and it will be uh, approved, I'm sure, by the full city council and sent to the administration uh, for this signature. So it, it seems like, you know, that now that we have the first one open and there are more that are, are in the pipeline, that this is going to be a viable business for the city of New Bedford and, and tax revenue coming in. And, you know, I know it's only been a short amount of time for Ascend, but so far, you know, it seems like there's been no issues. Uh, and, and this looks like it will be a, a good a good industry for the South Coast overall and, and for New Bedford in particular. I don't think any of us on the council, honestly, felt that there was going to be, you know, an issue with the operation of these businesses. Um, you know, these are being operated by reputable men and women. Um, they're not, there's not a lot of experience in cannabis because it's a new industry, obviously, uh, specifically in Massachusetts. Uh, I think that the hesitancy wasn't within the council. There were some things that needed to be worked out, and they have been worked out. Um, and we're also going to revisit, as I think you know, we're going to revisit hours of operation we are a little restrictive in our hours of operation, and uh, we don't want to put an unfair advantage to the surrounding community. So we'll be re-looking at that in the ordinance next month. But, you know, I don't think there was hesitancy on the council to do this. I and mean, some councilors don't agree with the industry, but that's not what the issue was here. The issue was trying to get the administration, honestly, to move these items forward so that we could do our due diligence and get the, get the industries off the ground. I don't know, Councilor Gomes, if you agree with that or not. No, I I, I agree. Um, uh, there's some things that um, I wasn't happy about in the beginning when when we uh, begun doing this, but uh, that that's in the past. Um, as we move along with this industry, I just wanted to make sure the restrictions and 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 public safety aspect of the whole thing was in place. And these companies are coming in with some shop plans, so um, good plans, good security. Um, that's what we're looking for. It's an upcoming industry. We knew it was coming. It is here. It's in Massachusetts. We're going to take advantage of the tax dollars that uh, come into that and how it's fed back to the city. All we want to make sure is that these places are, are again, uh, are, are safe and and ran uh, well. Nothing illegal happening there. And uh, that, that, that's, that's what's been our job, and that's what we've been looking out for, at least this council. I'll speak for myself. That's what I've been looking out for the protection of uh, the neighborhoods, the businesses, and, and what goes on in this industry in the city of New Bedford. And also we, we had, we, I, I don't mean to interrupt, we had an opportunity in the city of New Bedford to um, capitalize on one proposal that was put forward uh, to us. That, um, you know, they actually had seven different licenses, but at the time uh, it wasn't seen fit where the location was and to bring them here. But I would hope that the administration at this point um, continues to open their, um, uh, the, the doors uh, to this um, industry, but also give an opportunity to um, others. Uh, not so much uh, if, if, if we have someone from the local area that is looking to propose or get into this, we should um, be out there helping them because, um, again, um, uh, a lot of people were hurt previously on this and, 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 when, and were jailed and, you know, everyone's seeing it a little different or whatever. Uh, again, um, have our eyes open to uh, a residential people or at least uh, a business that could be established here that would uh, assist immediate residents from the city. I, I, I see people coming from out of town to open up here. Um, I would like to see um, more of um, maybe what I'm trying to say. I would like to see a minority owned um, marijuana business in this city, and that has not been taken up yet, and I hope that it will be because the industry should be open to all. 
Absolutely. Uh, anything else, Council President Moore, that came out of this week's meetings that you think would uh, be of note? Um, you know, last night we had the uh, CPA in front of us. Uh, it was a long meeting last night. Uh, both Council Gomes and I remember when we used to have to break the midnight rule. We haven't had to do that recently, but we were beyond 10 o'clock last night. Uh, there were 23 projects in front of us. Uh, one project was withdrawn, uh, so we had 22 remaining projects. 21 of the 22 were approved. Um, there was one sent back. I'm not sure it will be approved in this cycle or not. Uh, some interesting projects in front of us, so we had good discussion with the members of the CPC that were uh, in attendance. It was uh, the chairman, uh, Jan De Silva, one of the committee members, Arthur Glassman, and, and uh, Jessica Bailey, who's the administrative coordinator of the CPC program. So that was interesting, and we also had a frustrating meeting um, on in our ordinance committee regarding passing a section of a law that would allow the city to offer dental and vision care to our unit C employees. We have a, they are not able at this point in time to participate in a dental or vision plan. We can talk about that more on another, at another meeting, but we've heard this several times now and uh, we again tabled it this week and for another 60 days while uh, the administration goes out and uh, does an RIF and also surveys the employees of some other information. So those were the two really, really important uh, items this week. Uh, we did have a memorials and dedication meeting and an appointments and briefings meeting, so we had some interesting discussions in those as well. And, uh, you know, we can, I know we're running out of time. Next week we can talk a little bit about uh, the papers that will be in front of the council at the meeting next week. Uh, they include the um, capital improvement plan, a uh, little less than we were expecting, about $7.8 million this year, and another water and sewer rate increase um, that's being proposed on Last year, the increase was 9%. This year, it's 7.7%. You know, you add those two together on an average bill, you're talking about people's water bills going up uh, in a year between $100 and $125. It's a lot of money, and, we'll, you know, we can talk about that further next week as well. I'm assuming that, that both those items will go to the Finance Committee uh, for further discussion sometime this month. I, I don't know. There's so much going on, and we're all going to have a budget presentation shortly, so... Uh, the council will be in the chamber quite a bit over the course of the next 60 to 90 days. Come join us, Tim. We're an interesting crew. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And next week you'll be joining us with Councillor Oliver, too. I will, definitely. We haven't had him on since he was recently elected, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's thought about his first uh, 30 to 60 days. Uh, He's certainly been an active participant in all our meetings, so that's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I hope you have, both have a great weekend. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity uh, for you to allow us to come on and talk about council business. Um, I know that, you know, in the past we've talked about other things, but I think it's great that, you know, my colleagues and I are coming and actually ha having an opportunity to tell your listeners and the general public about, you know, what's going on in the background, especially with regard to the committee meetings. So. Absolutely. All right. Thank you both and have a good day and a good weekend. Take care. Have a great Thanks. day, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, that is uh, New Bedford City Council President Linda Morat and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes joining us. And uh, of course, I do. I love having this segment on. I love getting the inner workings. You know, we can we can tell you about what happens in the meetings. We can watch them and come back and comment on them. But to have the people who are in there making the decisions and giving you insight into those decisions is why 
we have this segment for you so that you can learn from it. And even if you don't live in the city, it's still important for you to listen to it and learn and see how it goes on because as New Bedford goes, so goes the South Coast. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. All right, we are just about out of time for this hour. Call or hang on. I will take you as soon as we come back from the news. We'll open the show up. We'll open up the next hour up with your call. But we are going into the newsroom.